Welcome to the Run Strong Podcast. It's episode 28 and Rob Jones is not here. Unfortunately, or fortunately for Rob, he's got to go back to the UK. Unfortunately for me, it means that he can't jump on today's show. But you have me and we have a special guest on coming on very soon in the name of Mr. George Crew, who is our OCR coach. He's going to come on and chat all about how he did Everest in his stairwell uh, just about a week ago, I think, which was a pretty amazing challenge to complete. And he's also going to share with us a little bit about how you can maybe climb a mountain in your stairwell coming up soon with the new OCR challenge for May. So interesting topic to come up and interesting times that we are still in. Unfortunately, we can't get an update from Rob on how he's doing and how the UK is. He'll be back on next week and we'll find out. But I actually want to take a little bit of time to update you with what Innerfight Endurance is going on and, and how we're dealing with the situation or maybe how we've dealt with it and what we're going into now. Here in Dubai, we have now come down a stage into, I think we're in stage four right now, possibly stage three. No longer do you need a permit to go outside. We can go back out running again, which is really great news. Obviously, you need to wear a mask. You need to make sure that you're being responsible around other people as well. So not running in crowded areas, sticking to your local residential area. I think within two kilometers of it is what they're asking people to do. So we're not quite back to going up long rides out of Kudro, which is our cycling track here, or running along the beach track again yet. But at least we're allowed out to run in our local areas, which has been really, really nice. I got out... My first run, I think, two days ago for, for 40 minutes, really nice and easy, and, and went out again this morning. That must have been yesterday. Backed up this morning with 20 minutes of easy running, and that's totaled me in two days to an hour of running, and I already feel it in my legs. So really urge you to take your time as you go back to running and you go back to, to getting back into what you're used to doing. But remember, it's been a few weeks now. So if you haven't run for three to four weeks, you kind of do need to go back and start from the basics. So lots of easy, easy running. And uh, take your time. Don't go straight back into high intensity work. I know we've all missed that. And I know it's really tempting to just go straight back to the fun stuff. But remember, you've got to build that foundation and, and earn earn the right to go hard and earn the right to go fast. You might have been working on some strength. You might have been doing some, hopefully some rehab work, some flexibility and allow that work to just come to the forefront as you start to get back into the, into the running, which is what we love to do. Don't go out too hard. You will likely end up with some form of injury and then set yourself back a little bit further. And, and that's really not what we want to be doing at this time. So I want to take this time to be able to just update you and, and talk to you a little bit about Innerfight Endurance, what's going on with us, what we've done during this time and where we're going. At the beginning of the year, we had a coaches summit, which was the first time we've done this. We, we sat down as a team, that team being myself, Marcus, Rob Jones as head of the running academy, Rob Foster as community manager and triathlon cycling coach and George Crew as head of OCR. And we wanted to just be super clear on our goals for this year of, of what we wanted to, to do and what we wanted to achieve. And it, it all came to the forefront that all of us, number one, we already think, and we can want to continue to be the number one endurance team in the UAE. This is really important to us, both from an individual standpoint, as we all want to work for the best endurance team in the UAE and we also want to make sure that we're involved with it as well. So with that as our goal and our sort of mission statement, we set down and, and put together a list of further goals that would get us to that point or keep us there as we decided to, to go with. And so far, you know, COVID has been quite a, a spanner in the works, but it actually hasn't stopped us of meeting our timelines and our goals set for where we wanted to be and what we wanted to be doing. And it's been a, it's been a real interesting few weeks, certainly for myself, just watching how the coaches have reacted to the situation and also how the athletes have. And I really can't say enough of how proud 
I am of the whole team here. That includes the athletes and the coaches. From the coaches' standpoint, it just they just all took it in their stride and it, and it was great to see and it just shows why they're successful coaches and why they're successful athletes as well. Um, we keep hearing time and time again how this, these times of COVID where you need resilience, you need mental stamina, you need trust in yourself, all these key focus words that all come out through endurance training and it just showed as soon as this time hit, we all just sat down, made our plans and, and executed as best we could. So any touch points we had with, with clients in terms of group sessions, we just brought them straight onto Zoom. Uh, Track Tuesdays became Talk Tuesdays. We didn't even miss a week. It went straight into it. We did well, obviously the, the coffee chats, which happen usually at Surf House Cafe on, on Thursday mornings, again, became a Zoom chat. We, had, we then introduced further sessions. So we, we put in Wednesday ride, Wednesday morning rides on Zwift and Friday morning rides on Zwift. We worked with our athletes and the, and the groups to make sure that they had group rides organized for the weekend, again, on Zwift. We put into place some challenges to keep people focused, to keep people accountable to us and each other. And all these things helped to just keep the community together, keep the community strong, and almost just take what was happening in our stride. We then also added in something called Sunday sessions, which was a way for us to be able to, again, have touch points with the, with the clients and with our community and share stories around different challenges or different, well, mainly they've been challenges, but like I spoke about my story into cycling and, and triathlon a few weeks ago. And the week after we talked about uh, one of the challenges we did riding across the Wahiba Desert and just yesterday we talked about because i recorded this on a monday me and marcus talked about the into the darkness challenge or the 50 50 50 and it's been really cool as, as as a coach to reflect on these and an athlete as well because you understand now why we sort of are shaped the way we are in terms of dealing with these crises because the challenges we went through in in various races or challenges that we've come up on our own they all come to the forefront of the, the lessons will come to the forefront when it comes over to these challenges in life as well. And so to look back and be able to share our stories with, with the viewers, with, um, with our own athletes coming in and show some vulnerability, which if you listen to any of Marcus's stuff is one of his key factors of, of being resilient. Um, that's a really good place to, to be able to share that. If you do want links to those, we have them all on our YouTube page. And so just email, email me twinnerfight.com and I can send you, send you the links for them so you can go back and, and watch. Last night's was really interesting because the 50-50-50 or Into the Darkness Challenge was a real highlight of my 2018. It was when I first came. I'd, I literally moved to Dubai because of it. Um, or the date I moved to Dubai was decided because of it. And so... After being here for one day, we took on this 50K ride, 50K run, 50K ride challenge. And we speak about it in the Sunday sessions about how it went, how we maybe surprised ourselves a little bit with, with the pace we did it at and, and the, the time that we managed to achieve it in. Follow on one year on, and, and it was actually a really low point for me in my year for, um, for 2019. And I, I speak around that, having to make a decision um, how that decision felt, my reasoning behind it, how I feel about it now. And it's good. I don't often reflect too much from that sense. So to be able to do it and to be able to share these stories with you guys is has been really nice to do. Alongside all the other points of Zoom, Zwift and the challenges, it just was never going to happen any other way. We we're always going to deliver a service to our clients that were in line with our goals and mission that we set at the start of the year. And uh, it's been really, really cool to be part of that and to just watch the coaches and athletes step up to the plate and keep, keep on keeping on, which is what we're hearing quite a lot at the moment. But it's so, so true. Five weeks ago, it was almost like the world was coming to an end. And actually, just this morning, I've spent time moving some kit from our old facility um, here in Dubai to the new one. 
And that leads me in nicely to talk about the new facility and, and what it means for us as an endurance team. For those of you that know, we're attached to the Inner Fight gym, which is a, a CrossFit and performance-based gym. And there's a really exciting new facility coming, which is, we can't wait for. It should be ready at the beginning of July, around June or July. And construction didn't stop when we uh, went into lockdown here. So that was a really, really good sign. It's going to be very exciting. It's obviously brand new. It's purpose-built for, for Inner Fight. There, there's going to be you know, a, a fair few things added that wasn't at the old gym. And one of, those, one of the important parts of that is, is a swimming pool and a cafe upstairs. These are both going to be pretty key parts for the endurance team. The pool, we will, I can't, I literally can't say anything about it now because I don't know about it now. So we, we won't be able to share what's, what's going to be happening there. We need to actually be able to, to figure it out and work it out. But there is a pool there as part of the gym. Upstairs in the cafe is going to be a really cool area to be able to work, to meet, to sort of have a bit of a hangout, a bit of a club. We did it at the old gym, but it, it wasn't set up the same as a, as a cafe. Is it, it was sort of find an area and we put chairs out when, when we needed them. This is going to be a much more purpose-built space for relaxing, you know, chatting, doing some presentations, sharing ideas, sharing knowledge. So I'm really excited for that because it's just going to be a further place where we can get together and the, and the whole team can meet. When we're all together as one team, we're, we're well over 100 athletes. So it's really, really cool when we do get the team together to see how everyone is and, and how it all looks. And it's not always easy to do that. Well, it wasn't in the old gym. With the new place, it's going to be such a fun part for it. So I can't wait for that. The other thing we're going to have, obviously, is, is um, a yoga space, a stretching room, um, a secondary gym. So there's going to be lots of times and areas where we can give added classes and extra bonuses to our, to our guys who are on endurance memberships. And we kind, of have the, we kind of have an open slate, if you like, a blank slate in order for us to create the best possible ex experience for, for our endurance team. So it's going to be really fun. It's going to be fun developing. It, it probably how the timetable looks for the rest of the year probably will change of how it looks in the new year. Like we're really open to adjusting things and making sure we get the right balance. And uh, yeah, I can't wait. It's really, really exciting. And through this whole time of, of COVID-19, it's been something that's really, really good to look forward to. And, you know, the guys are working so hard right now and it's all, almost going to be a really nice um, sort of reward of when, when that new place opens that everyone can come and share with it and, and you know the whole inner fight community is going to get together and really enjoy that place when it's open and obviously if, if guidelines allow it in terms of the podcast we are definitely going to continue it it's really fun to do it uh you know it, it does take up a little bit of time but nothing that is too crazy and managed for we started it in september last year and you know, it's become a real staple part of, of my week and Rob's week for sure. It's, we get in some great stories. You know, we've, we've managed to share some great stories. We want to continue to do that. It's a place where we can answer questions. It's a place where we can share our thoughts. And now, you know, today I wanted to take a little bit of time to share with you what, what as an endurance team we want to do and what we've been achieving as well. So it's a really good platform for us and we definitely won't be stopping it anytime soon. What would be nice is if we could hear more from you, the listeners, of any ideas or suggestions that you have. What do you want to know? Like, what do you want to get from podcasts? What do you want to learn from us? Um, please send in and we can really try and make that happen and give us some direction for you. Um, sorry, give some direction to us from you. That would be super, super helpful. The other really helpful thing within the podcast world is if you can give a rate, a rating and a review and I'm actually not going to tell you what to rate or review. I want you to just go and give an honest rating and review if you can. And that would be really helpful on iTunes. I'm working to get us out on more platforms to, to, to spread us more across the, the podcast into web, if you like. Um, get a higher reach for us, which hopefully brings in more questions, more suggestions, which gives us greater content to deliver to you guys. So that's where we stand with it. 
and I hope you can take a little bit of time in your day to just just help me just just send in an email what, what where would you like it to go or if you have any questions for us and if you have that little bit of extra time please go on and rate and review so we do have some questions today which I'm actually going to answer at the end of the show so make sure you stay listening in to hear questions. There's one question around Ramadan and another around lactate threshold, which are both really good questions. And I'm gonna answer those towards the end of this podcast. But next up, we have George Crew, who is our OCR coach. And he recently climbed the equivalent of Everest in his stairwell. And I, well, he'll share with you all the stats around it and, and his story behind it. But uh, it's going to be a really fun interview. I'm looking forward to doing it. And if you have any questions off the bat and would like to get in touch, you can do. And if you go onto Instagram, you can find the OCR page at if underscore OCR. All right, guys, here it is. So welcome to the show, George Crew. Hello, hello. First time on Run Strong Podcast? Yeah, this is only my second second podcast for Inify, and it was actually my first one was a year ago when I joined. So, yeah. And Hopefully Rob Jones is... Regular. I have to do some more crazy stuff to get on it, I guess. <laughs> Rob Jones, my usual co-host, has just rudely decided he's he's now in the UK and he's not interested. <laughs> nah, I'm only joking. He's actually having... I think he's having car trouble, which is the classic one, isn't it? Having car trouble. We'll forgive him. He'll be back next week. So, mate, you're, I've just been talking a little bit, actually, about what Interfight Endurance's plan is for the rest of the year and, and how well we've dealt with COVID-19 and, and the whole thing going on so far. You're in charge of OCR. What have you seen from your side? How have your athletes been getting on with the race cancellations and the moving in home training and that side of things? Because you've been really, really busy with them. Yeah, it's been, it's been obviously, it's, I hate to say it, but it's kind of been nice to have the challenge. And it's like, I guess, open up our eyes to different areas where we can improve. Um, obviously, one of the things in obstacle racing is that grip strength. And the majority of people who do obstacle racing have, that's their weak point. So we've been using that to our advantage the time that we're indoors and making the most of that. But yeah, everyone seems to be getting stuff done. Uh, grip being the main focus. And then obviously, those who are living in apartments, uh, just been getting loads of stair training done, which is also going to benefit OCR anyway, because pretty much every obstacle race has hills in it. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's been really cool. It's been, everyone seems to be enjoying it. Everyone's somehow managed to stay motivated and yeah, it's been good. And what's so far been the best home remedy for grip strength you found? Um, well, I'd say people that don't have a pull-up bar, I found, so what I decided to do is get a load of textbooks and you can hold them like what I call it, wide grip uh, book hold. And you'll grab the textbooks, hold them wide, pinch them together. Obviously the more books, uh, the harder, cause they're more likely to slip and, Obviously, the heavier they are, the harder it is, but you just hold them by your side in like a farmer's carry position and squeeze them together until you drop them. Then take a little bit of rest and do it again. And you get a really good pump in the forearms. Um, so yeah, that's the easiest thing for every, anyone can do that. There's no excuses. You can even do it with a laptop or like anything, a chair. It's just as long as you're pinching it. So it's quite cool. So we're going to have a new massive new bookshelf in the new gym just yeah. for the OCR guys. Yep. <laughs> I was just there today actually moving your monkey bars from from the gym into the storage place and uh, oh, really? I was thinking like these things are heavy <laughs> <laughs> yeah they will be good. nice I actually <laughs> thought it was going to be the water containers you know the big uh, five liter yeah. water containers because you have to when I have to change those over in the house I always think that's always a good measure of my own grip strength <laughs> I've actually got about I think about 10 or 12 of the 25 liter water containers we use for farmers carries. When we was at Sports City Track for the obstacle specific class on Thursdays, we used to yeah. carry those around and they're still down there. I've been meaning to go get them. It's something that's on my to-do list. I need to go get them and then bring them to the new gym. And I'm going to take a few for myself as well. Because I did a workout this morning where it had farmers carries in it. Didn't have anything to carry. <laughs> so I'll probably go get them. <laughs> so yourself, mate, you've been, you've kept working out. You've, um, obviously you're going to talk to us about this challenge that you did two yeah. weeks ago now is it or was it a week ago i think um not the weekend just gone the weekend before weekend yeah. before how have you found working and training from home yeah it's been it's been it's been a bit different obviously uh, not being able to go out to the mountains and all that sort of stuff but it's kind of cool because i've just been learning more about cycling uh, really getting into it and I, like 
I'm starting to really enjoy it. Uh, it's something that if, if you'd asked me a year ago, like, um, why don't you get a bike? I'd have been like, no, like not mm. for me. But actually I, now I'm like, I'm really, really enjoying it. So yeah, just the long rides have been a bit different. I, I listened to something you said recently about who now, like, it would be really often people would go and sit at Quidra and listen to nothing and just be in, uh, like on their own. Um, and I realized like nobody's doing that at the moment because there's like people who watch movies, Netflix, Zwift, all of that. And I realized I'm not really doing that. So it's something I still haven't done it. So maybe that's one thing I need to try myself. Um, but the interval work that I've been doing, I've been doing like a lot of hill climb work and stuff on Zwift. I'm really enjoying it. It's cool. And obviously the, with technology these days, with everyone getting on Zwift and we can all connect and have Zoom chats, it's been really cool. But it's, it's just been different. That's all. And it's actually been quite fun. Um, and I'm sure that's going to continue through the summer as well. It's given us something that we realize we can all do as groups in the summer. And now everybody wants a, a turbo as well, right? Or a mm. uh, tax and making, yeah. making it killing. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So you, you actually got into cycling because of a, a foot injury, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, it's been going on now. Next month will mark a year, but um, it's been like coming and going. It's getting there, but yeah, I started to cycle more just to get my aerobic um, fitness in because I couldn't run or do, I could still run, but I couldn't do much mileage with running without my foot like inflaming and starting to hurt. So I figured we'll switch to cycling, get some more rides done. And then obviously now we're indoors, it made sense to do more of that instead of going out and give it a real good chance to, to recover. Yeah, go. so it's been a nice sort of transition for you really to just get further into cycling, which you were getting into anyway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so... We're going to talk about the Everest Stair Challenge in a minute, but I actually want to just go back to December time, December, January, when you actually went to Everest Base Camp. Yeah. Is that what, is that what made you think you wanted to do this Everest Stairwell Challenge? Yeah, there's a, there's a funny story. So I've always set goals and I've always had a bucket list for, I'd say, probably since I moved to Dubai. I think when I moved, when I moved here, I decided to make a bucket list. Like people always talk about, oh, what's in your bucket list? But do, do people actually have a list? Do people actually have it written down? And do they start ticking it off? Because I don't think many people do. Well, I actually yeah. do. <laughs> I made it <laughs> on my notes on my phone. I just thought all these wild things. And obviously the whole thing around a bucket list is, it's all the things you want to do before you die. So I put all these crazy things on there. And I've always like thought, I did Kilimanjaro in 2017. And that was really cool. And I've always like loved mountains. So I, I added, I put Everest on the, on the bucket list, like summiting Everest thinking probably won't happen but if it doesn't happen it means i can't die because i've not done it <laughs> it's kind of a bit of a joke so anyway after going to base camp base camp was kind of like a last minute sporadic thing that i thought well i can hike so obviously with my foot injury i, I know i couldn't go trail running so i thought well, i can still hike pain-free so why not go to the mountains enjoy some elevation gains enjoy the scenery and it was quite a challenging time because it was absolutely freezing it was probably the coldest i've ever been in my life uh, after seeing Everest when, when I was there, it just made me think, well, actually, in my mind was Everest is on my bucket list and maybe I'll do it, maybe I won't. But then I went to, to base camp and was like, well, why can't I do it? So then I thought, I'm going to do it. So then, like, whilst I was there, I thought about it a lot and spoke to a lot of the guides and stuff and realized I actually want to climb Everest. There's no reason why I can't. So now Everest is on my bucket list and it's something I do want to actually do. And I've even set a time goal for it as well. I'd like to do it before I'm 30. Obviously, let's see how things go, but that means doing it in 2022. Uh, that would be the year I turn 30. So I've got the uh, year after next, which would be the idea. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then obviously when this whole COVID thing happened and we got locked down, it wasn't my idea, but the guy I did it with, which we'll talk about soon, it was his idea. And I got a text to say, I'm going to do Everest on my stair stairwell. What do you think? And I kind of just replied and was like, I'm in. <laughs> and then and that's how crazy things normally happen, right? So yeah. It is, yeah. And I just got to level up a little bit more and do it at altitude in freezing cold weather and all that. But no, it's cool. How long were you at the base camp for? Um, I think it was 14 or 15. Oh, do you mean actually at Everest Base Camp? Yeah. Um, to be honest, I think you were supposed to stay 20, 30 minutes, but we were there, I'd say, nearly an hour. Like, no one was around uh, because it was so cold. People don't climb in that season. Like, it was empty. But we heard a rumor that there was a German guy doing an expedition to try and do it in like crazy temperatures to the top of Everest. Right. So I went, I went on a search around for him. So I looked around, I was walking around base camp and I went over this big glacier uh, and looked around the other side and you could see him in his own little like area with like loads of different tents and kitchens and toilets and all that. Um, 
so yeah, we st- we spent about an hour at base camp. Um, yeah, but it's, there's not much at base camp. It's just an open area. We saw an avalanche right near Everest, which is cool. Like you could see Everest behind, um, and you could see like snow coming down. You just heard this like big like, load of noise, and looked over, and you just saw snow going everywhere. But it was yeah, there's not much there. It's just big rocks with spray paint on it that says base camp, and then how many meters it is. So it's not as it's not as like good looking as when you like summit a mountain when you're actually at the top. That's why that's why I've never done base camp in previous years. It was it was always something like I, I want to summit something, but then it with the whole injury thing, it was like actually why not? Let's do it and see. And all the mount the, the actual reaching base camp wasn't the highlight. The the highlight is going through all the mountains. You're being surrounded by like the biggest peaks in the world. They've got the mountain guide is telling you like all the different names of the mountains. And I've got I've seen a few that I've got friends like Amadablam. I don't know if you've heard of Amadablam, but they say it's more technical than Everest. I've got a friend who climbed it. I think he did it last year. He's a Q80 guy and he, he draped, uh, he broke a world record. He draped the Q80 flag down the side of it. Uh, he's got a really cool video on his Instagram. And he, I think they've got a drone that flies away looking at it. It's really cool. But I could see all these mountains and you're walking amongst them all. And that, that was the best thing about it. Not reaching base camp. Reaching base camp was like, a, yeah, cool. Because you saw Everest way more than that. The highlight for me was actually the first time seeing Everest, which is quite early on. I think it's on like day three you go to Everest Viewpoint and there's a place called Namshi Bazaar. If anyone's ever seen the um, Everest movie, they go to Namshi Bazaar in, uh, in the Everest movie and you can okay. hike a couple of hours from there to base camp. Uh, sorry, not to base camp, to Everest Viewpoint. And the guide was like, if we're lucky, we'll see it. Sometimes there's clouds. We got there. There was not a cloud in the sky. You could see Amadablam, you could see Everest in the distance. And that was the best feeling, like the first time actually seeing Everest. And that, it was that day that I start to thought, started to think, yeah, I want to climb. I want to climb Everest. Like, I actually want to do it. Uh, and then, obviously, went from there. So, yeah. Brilliant. All yeah. right. So, take us to that day where you're going to begin climbing Everest in your stairwell. How are you feeling? What's the plan? Well, to be honest, I think I I didn't expect it to be anywhere near as hard as it was. I was kind of like, yeah, it can't be that hard. I'm a fairly decent stair climber. And I, the only thing I was worried about, could I keep going for that amount of time? But I never knew it was going to take that amount of time. Um, and obviously it wasn't my idea. It was just a friend's idea. And I figured, yeah, okay. He, we decided two weeks before we did it that, yeah, okay, let's do it. So I kind of looked at training. We dialed training down, like made sure we were completely fresh for it. And then it was, I kind of knew it was going to be a big fueling game. It was going to be more about making sure that we've got the fueling right to just keep going. Um, and then, yeah, day, the day of when we did it, it was kind of like, I wasn't really nervous or anything for it. It was kind of like a bit of fun at the start and we was joking and, and up and whatever. And the first probably three, four hours, it was still a bit of a, like a joke. And then as time goes on, it starts as after we started, it was a bit like, this is actually going to take forever. <laughs> and that's to realize. When did that realization come around? At what point did you look at your watch and think that? I think it was, I think about 2000 meters, some two, two and a half thousand meters. And I can't remember the time of what it, what it took to get to that. Cause we recently did the, the April challenge uh, within a fight OCR and we did uh, vertical K. So I did it on the same stairwell and didn't, I did it with a lightweight vest, took it easy. And it was something like an hour and 10. I thought, Oh, how hard can it be? Nearly 9,000 meters, but I did a thousand in an hour and 10, but I wasn't really pushing stuff. But how hard can it be? But it was a, it was completely different. It was just the, the, I guess the amount of time going up that you start to feel it very quick. So yeah, I'd say probably 2,000, 2,500 meters. Then you start to realize, oh shit, this is really going to take a while. <laughs> and the, with the clock, you look down at the watch and the, the meters are not really going up and you're starting to feel it a bit. You're like, okay, okay, we're in for the long haul. <laughs> <laughs> and so what, what was going through your mind at that point? Are you thinking, okay, I need to change plan here. Are you thinking about failure? Are you, I think, what's going on, mate? No, no, no. Like I don't, because I did it with, if I'd have done it on my own, maybe it would have been easier to, to not do it, not complete it. But because I've done like some longer stuff with Pete in the past and he has done some crazy, he cycled once from London to Africa. And it was, I can't remember the, the kilometers, but it was insane. Uh, he's very like, he likes that. He's, he likes long haul stuff. Like he's already been texting me since we finished thinking of something longer and I'm just like no I'm not doing it <laughs> but um no like, I think I wasn't I don't think I would have ever let myself quit unless it would have caused like injury or like actually hurting myself um which I don't feel like I think after the first day when we called like when we decided to stop and push it over to the second day yeah. that was really um when I realized right I need to give my body a rest see how I feel in the morning if I feel okay I'll do it if I don't feel okay I'm just calling it because I don't want to end up hurting myself um 
Oh, no, it was, the, the, you, I think 3,000 meters was the time that I started to look down and realize this, that's when it started to like hurt. You started to feel your knees aching already on day one and you're like, okay, what, what do we do? We're only 3,000 meters in, we've still got like 6,000, whatever it is to go. Um, yeah, and that's when we, we realized, well, I started, I didn't, we didn't talk about it until we had lunch. So it was kind of like we both knew something had to change. We didn't talk about it until we had lunch and then we had a chat about it. Um, okay. Yeah. How many, how many hours in was that? Um, well, day one was, uh, day one was what, four, four, what was it? Yeah, four, four, two, four. Uh, and that took eight, 15, eight hours, 15. I would say you're probably like five, six hours in. Okay. So you made a plan. Okay. We need to finish day one. Yeah. Get, at this. Get we just, we just, basically said, just basically said we will, uh, we kind of broke everything down. Like each, each segment, it was kind of like each thousand meters was a bit of a win. Uh, we, we got to a point where it was, okay, we'll, we'll break each time someone needs the toilet, which was really often. Like we were going to the toilet so much, especially me. Uh, we can get onto that in a bit about fueling, but yeah, it, we decided each time one of us needs to go to the toilet, we'll just use that as our break. Um, and then the strategy changed on day two. But after, yeah, like 3,000 meters, we started to realize we, need, we needed to break more because we needed to go to the toilet more. And also we wanted to break more because our body was starting to feel it. Uh, but it wasn't so much like the endurance, which I was shocked. It was more like just the achy pain of time on your feet. Um, like it was just all I wanted to do was sit down and just take yeah. the weight, take the load off my feet, take the load off my knees. Um, but no, it was, a, it was an interesting one. At the same time, are you thinking in your mind, how is Everest, when I actually do Everest, how is that going to feel and what's comparing here? Yeah, yeah, totally. Like we discussed it and a uh, little thing that we did, obviously each time we saw um, our watches, we, we prior to actually doing it, we looked at like the different heights of different mountains and we celebrated them as like small wins. Okay. Uh, so we kept saying like, I think the first one obviously was uh, Jebel Jace. So once you got to like 1,900 odd, it's like, cool, like, we were in a stairwell. You've got it. Like, we were trying to like make it out <laughs> something special, but there was nothing different. It was grey concrete walls, grey stairs. There was nothing like spectacular about it. But in our minds, we thought, like, oh, cool. We've just done the. We've just hiked from the bottom to top of Jebel Jace, and then Jebel Shams, and then Mont Blanc, and they, we celebrated these little wins. But yeah, of course, like in our in our minds, we're thinking like, oh, what, like obviously, I'm I'm thinking Everest is way harder than this, like really because it wasn't that exhausting and I know what altitude feels like after doing Killy and after going to base camp and like if I had to do what I did on stairs but at any sort of altitude I it would have took me at least two weeks for sure like because it's completely different even though you're in a confined space on a stairwell it was still fairly easy to breathe um compared to altitude like altitude yeah. is just so it's completely different so obviously the the mind numbingness of a stairwell Mm. must be interesting to deal with how do you what are you doing with your mind to get over the fact that the same step is appearing time after time after time yeah it's funny you say that we 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 actually know like we had a bit of a joke i know i know that floor number 13 14 and 23 of that staircase the lights don't work <laughs> like, I know off the back of my hand and you kind of know that some of the steps like the I think from from floor one to three the steps are deeper they're quite steeper than the rest so we always took it super easy on the first three because I should exhaust yourself before you like get halfway um but no going through your mind it's it's weird because the first four three four hours complete uh, seem to just disappear especially the first like three hours it just like I said, I looked at my watch, I was like, Pete, we've done three hours already on this bloody staircase. It didn't feel like it. It seemed to fly by, which was strange. But I think that was, that was on day one. And I think that was because of the excitement around it. Obviously, we'd been waiting two weeks to do it. I was really looking forward to do it. Like, I nearly had to delay it. But I made it happen and we got it started. Um, so, yeah, that, it was super exciting. But then, yeah, obviously, as it, as it set in, of, we've, we've, this is how long it's taken. We've still got, like, we've worked it out, like, we've still got, like, I don't know, 12 hours to go. If we go at the same pace, it's like, oh, mate, like, this is, this is mind-boggling. But it was weird because looking at the stairs and looking at the walls, even though it was, like, daunting, day two was a bit, I don't know, a bit different. I'd say day one was probably harder than day two, which is weird. But I think that's because initially we went in with that. We wanted to do it in one hit. 
obviously day two, we knew we just had to do half of what we expected to do on day one. Um, so yeah, it was very, I don't know, like looking, looking, there's not much to it. It's just concrete walls and stairs that you can't really, I don't really know what I was thinking about. We just blanked out. Pete decided to read a book and I didn't, I, I'd planned to, I took my headphones, I planned to listen to books, I planned to listen to podcasts, listen to music. I didn't put my headphones in once. Really? The only thing different that I did like with, with, with electronics was a phone. Obviously we, we did a few posts on Instagram. Um, we posted pictures of mountains that we'd just gone past that, that elevation. And that was it. That was the only time I touched electronics. Oh, and I had a phone call. Like Adam Mayhew called me. Um, mm. I think he called me on day two. But that was nice because we was on the phone for like 10 minutes and it kind of broke it up. And then after the call, my mind was thinking about that call for probably the next 20 minutes. So that was half an hour gone of thinking. Um, but yeah, and we, me and Pete on, the, on day one, we'd think of subjects and we'd just end up talking about stuff. But then day two was like more quiet. It was more just silent, no talking zone and just listening to your footsteps, which was... That was strange, but it felt easier, a lot easier on day two, I guess, because we knew what to expect. Were you sticking together the whole time? Yeah, we didn't leave each other, mate. Uh, and it seemed, we seemed to get like a, a system whereas I would be at the front and I'd get the lights. And when we got to the top, he would hold the door. Like it was, but we just did the same over and over and over again. But like if I, if he, he ever ended up in front of me, he'd move out of the way and let me back in front again. And it would always, uh, there'd be probably like, four or five steps between us the whole way up. And that just seemed to work. Um, he just kind of went with whatever pace I wanted to do. Um, and as, as we got closer on day two towards the end, which was amazing, we, our pace just went crazy. Like we just wanted to get it done. We knew that we didn't need any more energy to save. So we, our pace, our fact, we looked at like peak figured out, we looked at the splits on the watch and we figured that our last like few flights were the, a few ascents of the whole building were our fastest over the whole two days because we just wanted to get the thing done, get it over with. Like when, when, my, when my watch went over, uh, reached like the summit, it was like, oh, no, literally I didn't even want to go up and get the bags because we'd left like a drinks and we'd left a couple of Kitbricks bags and a cool box at the top with some ice flannels and all that right at the top. So every time we went up, we had a bite to eat, swig of water and like cooled down and stuff. Um, didn't even want to go get them. I just, I think I got the lift. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough, mate. After that sort of time climbing stairs, you had some good nutrition lessons. Do you want to talk to us a little bit about those and, and what you learned? Yeah. So, um, I went in with the plan of just, well, not just, we, Pete had already made like a, a load of pasta. Anyway, um, I decided to have one bottle of secret training uh, hydration mix per hour, which was the watermelon one. So 500 mil. Um, and I'm sipping on water every halfway up the ascent. Uh, I'd leave a bottle of, a big bottle of water to just sip on because in a stairwell, it's super dry. You throw it and everything gets super dry. So I just left some water, just like, it was just a mouthful, just to like, um, I guess just, yeah, have the, that sensation of water going down your throat um and not be like dusty and stuff so um but actual fueling was more day one i decided to go with a, a bar a gel and then a hydration mix per hour and i tried to get into this routine of getting it in and then i felt like very quickly that it was a bit too much start to feel bloated from the the watermelon mix definitely like having i don't know it, it just i was in the toilet so much I, that was very quickly in the first like hour and a half i was just waiting in the toilet so <clears throat> what we decided was after we had, uh, I think we'd done about six hours on day one, we had a mouthful of pasta and it just seemed to sit way better, uh, like just normal food. I think I had some pasta and some bread or something like that. Uh, and it just sat way better. And then that made me think, well, when we, when we went in to have lunch, we had pasta again, because in our mind, we were going in for a break. We was going in for a lunch break. We hadn't completely decided that we was going to split it over two days yet. It was only at lunch that we really decided that it completely needs to change and we go make it two days so after having uh, real food at lunch and deciding that day two is we're going to have to split it into two days we've also decided that day two is we're going to try eat more real food um uh, just because the having having like not fake food because i guess these gels are like real, <laughs> real fruit gels and stuff but they're yeah it just didn't seem to sit right with me pete was okay uh but mm. for, for me it didn't sit right at all so day two um, we started off with like a normal breakfast. I think I had some, uh, toast or something, uh, with butter on it. And then 
yeah, we, we just fueled on a few mouthfuls of pasta, I think bread, I think I had a banana. Um, and I just, I, I limited the hydration mix. Didn't have anywhere near as much as I did on day one, which is strange because you always think like, yeah, get the hydration in, but it just didn't sit right. It made me feel super bloated. And obviously we were going slow enough as it was. Day two, we were going even slower. I didn't want to slow us down anymore by having to keep going into the toilet because you go into the toilet and you think, yeah, I'm in the toilet two minutes, but it ends up being, ten, it ends up being like 10, 15 minutes each time because you're so tired, you take your time. So then it, it costs you a lot of time uh, in the end. So we were like two hours slower on day two than we was on day one. Um, but that wasn't just toilet breaks. But yeah. So yeah, bread, uh, pasta. Can't really think of any other real food. It was basically bread and pasta, bread, pasta. And then every so often I would have a gel. I think I had maybe two or three gels on day two. Um, and I celebrated at the end, which I never, ever do. I, I don't drink Red Bull because I don't <laughs> like it. Like, I, sorry, I do like it, but I know it's not great. Um, yeah. It was like a massive celebration. I'd set that goal that once we got to the final, I think, 500 meters, I was like, right, I'm allowing myself to have a Red Bull. So I had a big can of Red Bull waiting for me in the, in the cool box. And I just started swigging that. Every time I got to the top, I'd have a swig of Red Bull. <laughs> uh, I don't really... <laughs> Yeah, I know it's not great, but it's, uh, it, it, tell you what, it tasted so much better than anything else that I'd had in the, like, from the day before and that day. Yeah. Well, it's good if you want some caffeine and alertness into you. Yeah. Well, we didn't, we, we didn't want to do that too early as well because we didn't want to spike. And that was, so we had to take it like right at the end. But I think that could be the reason as well why we were flying on the last few ascents because we both had one um, and we were just absolutely flying on the last ones. It could just be uh, that Red Bull gave us wings. Brilliant, mate. <laughs> brilliant it's uh it's a real well it's such a big challenge to have taken on do you know of anyone else who's who's done it or done similar where did the where did pete get the inspiration from to do it honestly i think i think the inspiration for him came from the 1k on stairs like the the vertical challenge that we gave him because he did it as well right and he did it and i think he did it twice and he thought actually i quite quite like it it's strange on stairs. Like, I don't know if any listeners have been on stairs for a long time. I know Nabil did Mont Blanc on stairs, but you get into this weird zone. It's completely different to running, cycling, trail running. It sucks. It does suck because you, you, like, some people go crazy. But I think I've done a lot of stair training in the past, so I kind of know what it feels like. But I never normally spend longer than, I think the longest before I've spent is an hour on stairs. Um, but no, I think Pete understands that zone. He, he done 2K like it's split in two different days. Um, and I think I, he just got like the motivation from that. Like he enjoyed it, like getting in that sort of zone and then just came up with the idea, let's do a very stunner on the stairs. But I don't know, there's a guy, Rob uh, Jones sent me his Instagram the other day, I can't remember his name, but he did, I think he did the route to base camp on his uh, house stairs, so one single flight of stairs at home. Oh, no. uh, but it, the elevation wasn't low. That's, I looked at it, it was like, one day it was like 480 meters, the other day it was 600 and something. So it wasn't in one hit. Um, but I know there's a lot of people doing it. Luke, um, Luke Nolan, he's got a friend in London that did it in an, I think they said five story apartment block. A couple of his friends did it. I think it took them 20 hours, but that was in a five story apartment block, which is insane. Like we were lucky, yeah. we had 43 flights. Um, whereas I think it was 43, they had five in London. So respect them doing that. But, to be honest, it doesn't sound appealing at all. Like, I don't know why people want to do it. <coughs> it was, uh, I guess it was, what, what else can we do right now? There's not much we could do. It was like full lockdown. We couldn't even go outside for a run. So it was like, okay, well, let's do something that is really crap. Then it'll make the rest of the week feel better. <laughs> yeah. And so, it's yeah. a really good idea in your mind to give to our athletes as a May challenge. Do you want to just give us a little bit of a teaser behind what that is? Uh, do you want me to say what it is? <laughs> or uh, people might be able to work it out, but yeah, go on. Uh, tell yeah. What's going yeah, on? Let's just say, obviously, I went, I went through the stairs and I went up, up the stairs and each um, elevation I got to, I celebrated different mountains. So, yeah, I guess that's all I need to say. I, I celebrated different <laughs> mountains. A lot of them were in the Seven Summits. One, of, one or two of them was in the UAE. Yeah. Um, that's what I'll say. <laughs> I've seen the, the graphics for it and things yesterday, and it looks really, really cool. So I'm really excited to get that out on the on Inner Fight Endurance um, Instagram page for people to see and hopefully take on as a, a bit of a May challenge. Mate, what, um, what's your goals for May? Obviously, you're, you've done the Everest challenge in your yeah, stairwell, which is pretty epic. Like, yeah. 
<laughs> what's the typical question after doing something like that? What's next for George Crew? Well, I'm going to continue cycling, uh, continue working my grip. I'm really trying to, I'm, I'm really getting into my climbing. Um, so I'm really, you'll probably see on my Instagram and stuff, I'm doing loads and loads of grip work. Um, just to try and, I was climbing uh, twice a week, or if not three times a week before the whole lockdown and the gym's closed. And now I'm not being able to do that. So I don't want my grip strength to, to drop and I want to be able to still climb as well as I was because I felt like before lockdown, my climbing was starting to get into a fairly decent level. Um, and I'm fairly new to outdoor climbing, like free, free climbing is, I'm learning it. Um, so yeah, I'm staying on top of that. Uh, I've not really set any major goals. Um, I'm going to continue doing like stair work because with OCR, my favorite obstacle race or Spartan race is a stadium race, which is all stairs. It's like flat running and stairs. I like flat races and I also like stair races. So I kind of mix the two. So that's where most of my training is based around, like aiming for that. Um, and yeah, I guess let's see about, I want to do a trip. I just seen um, yesterday I found at Jebel al in Oman. Once they open mm. borders, I'm going to look into some sort of trip mm. over there where we can do cycling on the roads, uh, we can do trail running. They've got epic like mountains which we can do rock climbing at as well. We went uh, there last year in November, actually, and did the uh, UTB. Yeah, for uh, Oman UTMB, we went the two two weeks before, I think, and yeah. climbed up to the top of of Jebel Akhtar. Yeah, it's a beautiful route. We camped at the bottom and, and spent two days there, and it's a really, really stunning mountain. Me, 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 Pete, and Adam went there in uh, August last year, early August. It was mm. 22 degrees in August. Oh, it's beautiful. So we were like, I bet we've got thunderstorm and, and crazy rain, uh, but we, we were camping there, and we actually went to go mountain biking, but couldn't find any real mountain bike trails because we didn't know the area, so we ended up doing road bikes. We, we ended up cycling on the road mountain bikes yeah. still got some crazy speeds on the downhills though because those hills are insane so yeah, yeah i'm essentially looking once borders open to do something like that and get some outdoor climbing done um and as when they open gyms as well i'm gonna head over to the i don't know if anyone's been but the uh it's the biggest climbing indoor climbing center in the world now it's in abu dhabi it's called climb abu dhabi where they've got that big indoor skydiving uh, zone and then oh, it's wow. the big indoor climbing wall so now i've been learning the ropes and stuff outdoors I want to try and get better at that and go indoors and do a bit more there. So I'm going to head over there as soon as they open and, and try and like basically get my climbing level even higher. And Brilliant. Outdoors. Yeah. Good. And what about clients, mate? Are they, they're ticking along well and continuing yeah, but, to develop yeah, during this time? Yeah, super well. Like, like I say, a lot of people have been doing stairs. Everyone's really enjoying being on bikes. It's kind of a nice change. Like most of my clients have gone and got themselves an indoor trainer and, most of them have bikes already. If not, they've managed to get a bike. Uh, we've been doing like Swift meetups on our own. Um, and obviously for, for like social side of things, we decided to have a quiz. And now every Wednesday we're doing like our own little OCR quiz, which is based around the kind of the OCR guys and also OCR in general. So like, like professional OCR athletes, what you know about OCR obstacles, that sort of stuff. Uh, yeah. That's every Wednesday. If anyone wanted to join it, they can, just, they can get in touch with me. Um, Come along. And they can maybe Brilliant. take over as well and be the quiz master. It's George Blackwell's week this Wednesday. Uh, he's designing the quiz. So it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. And then we, had a, we actually had a quiz last week on the coffee chat on Thursdays. And one of the questions that surprised me a little bit was which one of the coaches ran their first marathon at the age of 13? And it was, in fact, you. Yeah. I've had a few questions about that. Some, someone said to me yesterday, did you actually run a marathon at 13? I was like, yeah, like, it's a funny story. I did it. It was a local marathon. So I'm from a town called Skegness. And then there's, I was born in a town called Boston and they're 26 miles apart. So each year they change it. So one year it'll be Skegness to Boston. The other year it'll be Boston to Skegness and they keep changing. And one of my mates just decided to talk me into it. So we just did it. A group of us together ran it and I was 13. And then I was like, oh, that was cool. And then it came around again the next year and we did it again the next year. And then we did it again the next year. So I did three yeah. in a row, but yeah, 13, 14 and 15. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, yeah, good. Well, mate, thank you for coming on and sharing that story. It was interesting to hear, obviously, about the, the stairwell challenge, but also about your time at base camp and that seed that's been planted in your mind around Everest. Yeah, yeah definitely. Forward to seeing how that develops and, and how that goes. Yeah. So, yeah, mate, thank you very much for coming on. Any parting Come and get involved. What's your... Uh, at IF underscore OCR is your 
Instagram for OCR. What's your your own? Uh, George underscore crew. Crew has an E on the end. T-R-E-W-E. Yes. So at George underscore crew. And if people want to get in touch with you directly, they can email you gc at innerfight.com. That's it. Perfect. All right, mate. Well, thank you very much for coming on. Thanks a lot, and, mate. Uh, we will maybe have you back on soon after you've been to Jabal Akhtar and you've told us about what's gone on there. Yeah, let's see how that goes. Cool. <laughs> Hope you'll come with us. Cheers, mate. So it was George Crew, our OCR coach, telling us all about climbing Everest in a stairwell. If you have any questions on that, want to do a similar challenge, want to know more about stairs training, you can get in touch with George through those channels that we just mentioned. So it's question time. We've had two questions in this week, or two in that I thought were worthy of answering. And we'll go with the first one, which is around training in Ramadan from at Jabri Wild. And he says, hey, Tom, hope you're doing well. I was wondering if you could speak about training time during Holy Ramadan. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this. And uh, he's, he's asked about training slash time. So I think he's meaning uh, time of sessions and uh, what sort of training to be doing. It's something that obviously as coaches here in the Middle East, we, we deal with every year and um, have actually put together quite a comprehensive um, Ramadan guide, which obviously goes out to all our athletes who are going to be taking part in the holy month. Uh, so I just first off say, if, you, if you'd like to get hold of that, you can email me twinnerfight.com and, and I'd be more than happy to send it over to you. But to talk you briefly through it, Obviously, what we don't want to do is completely stop training for a month. It's, uh, it's not the, the best thing to be doing, but we need to be really, really cautious with our training. So firstly, if you are training in Ramadan, uh, you need to just be really careful of the most common um, issues that you may run into, which is usually down to severe dehydration. So if you're feeling dizzy, nauseous, or you feel like potentially you're going to pass out, then you really need to stop and reassess what you're doing in your in your training the best sort form of training to be doing during ramadan is, is very light intensity and if you're looking to maintain strength you can still do strength work but you need to make sure that you're rehydrated and fueled for that so if you're going to train pre-iftar which is the meal of, of breaking your fast then it needs to be very very light so if we're looking at heart rate zones that's zone one if we're looking on the rpe scale that is about a two or three out of 10 very, very light training sessions. If post iftar you want to train, then it largely comes down to how you're going to break your fast. Now, what that looks like really should be based around hydration. So if you're going to train after iftar, looking to consume immediately 750 mils of water with electrolytes is going to be your first port of call. So once you once the sun's down and you're going to begin your um, your to break your fast, that's the first thing we look at. So 750 ml, which is a normal sized water bottle, like a sports bottle, with electrolytes in, have that immediately. You can then make now you know you're going to be in a hydrated state at least for, to do your training. Then you can continue to drink during your session so remembering you can still take on fuel through fluids in your session so a carb drink of 20 to 30 grams with electrolytes to have during your session is going to be a really good idea and this is also a really good time to add in a branch chain amino acid supplement as well so that way you're going to be mitigating the muscle breakdown that you're going to get through the lack of calories as well so Take on a BCA supplement along with some 20 to 30 grams of carbohydrates with electrolytes, then you're going to be up to a liter and a half worth of fluid, hopefully by the time your session's finished. If you're looking for strength work, you need to keep intensity down. So that means long rest periods, but with quite heavy. And you could do some explosive movements as well, as long as you're giving yourself some, some good rest. What I would avoid is doing what you might know as more um, metcons, which is like metabolic conditioning. So that means longer workouts where you're working from anywhere from like 20 up to 40 minutes without rest and just continuously going, which you might be more used to doing during times where you're not fasting. 
but these sort of workouts are really going to strip um well they're going to strip fat away if you're doing those in a in a calorie deficit but you're going to really drain yourself and it's not going to help in terms of muscle building however it will help if you want to if your total goal is weight loss so if you want to keep maintaining muscle lots of rest between sets and try and go try and go heavy and make sure you're consuming bcaa supplements alongside it if not you still definitely want to take on those 750 ml worth of water and electrolytes along with having a further 750 ml during your training session with the carbohydrates as well um, bcaas will also help but then thinking about your training again if it's more you want to maintain endurance or maybe do a little bit of weight loss during this time because the deficit of calories is quite handy for that just make sure you're in a nice low aerobic zone for anywhere from 40 to 60 minutes and you're not pushing intensity up too high at all because we want to maintain consistency during Ramadan. So if you go too intensive, you're just essentially not going to recover and you're going to feel really awful for the next time around and you want to train again. I actually would try to be doing around 20 to 40 minutes of exercise every day during Ramadan as opposed to doing a few days of really hard sessions and then getting too tired and knocking yourself out for a further three days because that's that's not going to help you need to keep the ball rolling on and on and on so that's if you're going to train after iftar if you're going to train before iftar so you want to um, basically train and then break your fast you just need to make sure you're prepared for when you do break that fast you have again hydration is the key so train prior really low intensity do nothing hard don't do weight training before iftar your body just is not in a state to respond to it so it's going to be really light maybe a walk um, possibly some cycling or some non-impact cardiovascular work very low end very non-intensive um, maybe it's even just some stretching or some yoga type or some pilates and then you want to make sure you immediately have around 500 to 750 mil of, of electrolytes fluid again, um, as soon as that point comes where you can break your fast and then also add in a protein shake, um, which should be around 500 mils protein shake. And then that will take you immediately up to around one liter to one and a half liters of fluid consumed. Then for the next 20 to 30 minutes, consume a further liter of water with electrolytes. So by the end of breaking your fast, 30 minutes to the afterwards, you should have consumed around two liters of water with electrolytes. And that includes that protein shake as well. And now you're, you're gonna be optimally rehydrated and hopefully on the road to recovering from that workout that you've just done. And then you can get ready to enjoy your iftar meal. If you're not rehydrating immediately after fasting, you're kind of just setting your body up down a difficult path to absorb nutrients from the meal that you're going to eat and also potentially overeating because your body can get a little bit confused sometimes between the feeling of thirst and the feeling of hunger so first of all take care of that thirst feeling through hydrating and then once you go to eat you will be at less um, less of a chance of overeating there's a few more few bits further bits to talk about which i have written down in that pdf which if you want just let me know. But the other thing to think about is your pre-fasting meal. So when you wake up in the morning, um, before you begin your fast, make sure that you're taking on something that's got quite a high protein um, intake. And well, quite by high, I mean around 20 to 30 grams. Usually you, you should sit between, between that spot, which is around two to maybe 2.2 um, grams per kilogram of body weight. And then add in some um, greens as well. So like for some frozen broccoli or frozen spinach to help put a bit of fiber into you, which will help you feel fuller for longer as you go into your day. And then make sure that you're consuming like low salt foods. So if you may be having oatmeal or an omelet, obviously don't put any salt in with the omelet and the eggs and avoid high sugar foods as well, because that's going to spike your blood sugar, which will then um, provoke a faster drop which obviously then speeds up your hunger signaling process which we obviously don't want when fasting so my best advice is to just make a really nice big protein shake um, scoop of protein some frozen vegetables in there 
maybe some a few bits of fruit a good way to always do is for every piece of fruit you have two pieces of, of veg so if you have say a banana in your shake put in some spinach and some broccoli add in your protein powder and just consume that and that's going to help as well with fluid um, fluid retainment too so like i said if you want to get hold of this pdf let me know and i can uh, send it over to you just email me twinnerfight.com and you will get it the next question is around lactate threshold at talk tuesday this week we've talked a lot about zone two training we kicked off a theme last week on our instagram which was to make sure people knew the benefits and the reasoning behind zone two training and this question's come off the back of that and it's around the lactate threshold so it's from uh, one of our italian clients actually and uh, he has asked is it correct to expect three factors of improvement concerning a threshold occurring with training? So what he means is what can I expect to happen with my threshold during training? Threshold coming in as lactate threshold or lactate threshold heart rate, which is your heart rate that corresponds with your lactate threshold. And the way I'm talking about lactate threshold is that turning point of in the blood where it gets to around four millimole or where you start to see the body continue to produce a lactate acid in the blood without being able to clear it away fast enough. So levels, um, the ratio of lactate clearance to lactate rate start to go in the favor of lactate rate. So you're not clearing lactate fast enough. That's what we would call your lactate threshold. So yes, would I expect these three factors to change? Number one, a higher percentage of max heart rate. Example, at the beginning, threshold occurs at, let's say, 85% of max heart rate, then it can go over 90%, which I'll answer first. Um, yes, it, it would, that would make sense. It, it does depend a little bit around where you are within your training, but as you train more, you become more efficient at using lactate as fuel, meaning that you can actually run a higher heart rate and produce less excess lactate so you get better at dealing with it so like i just talked about that lactate rate versus the lactate clearance you just get better at the clearance and so you can work harder for longer um, this is actually a factor of of zone two training which helps with that it helps to to build your lactate clearing rate um, but what it also means is lactate threshold heart rate should be higher as you train more and because basically you can push harder so you can increase your heart rate reduce more lactate and therefore you're more efficient so your lactate threshold heart rate goes up um, top runners top cyclists they have the ability to sustain a really high heart rate because they have a much faster rate at clearing lactate out so they can run at say probably going up to around 95% of their max heart rate without going anaerobic. So without producing more lactate than their body can clear, that comes through a training effect. So yeah, you, you will see it at a higher percentage of your max heart rate. The other thing he asks is, will I expect to see a higher power output produced at the same percentage? Yes, that again comes down to efficiency. So we, when we get that through training, so you'll be able to do more work at different heart rates. Um, for sure like that kind of ties in with the last answer and then um, his third point is would my time sustained at threshold for example untrained can sustain 20 minutes while pro can sustain one hour what is the most important of which happens more in an untrained versus average trained so um, basically what are we looking at from an amateur to a pro I think is what he means well there is some interesting data out there. There's one study that looked at lactate threshold and metabolic clearance rate in trained subjects versus untrained. During lactate threshold, the trained subjects could actually go for 34% uh, longer than in untrained. So um, they were clearing, when I say go, they were clearing lactate 34% better than untrained subjects which is quite a key indicator of why better athletes can can go harder or sustain uh, more work at their lactate threshold 
but more importantly at submax, so below lactate threshold, it, their metabolic clearing rate in trained individuals was seen to go as much as 97% better than in untrained. So this is where training like sweet spot training or tempo running can be very beneficial for trained athletes because they can work very, very aerobically just sitting under that anaerobic ceiling and be that much more efficient than in untrained subjects. Now in untrained subjects, tempo or sweet spot work can, can improve, but it can also be detrimental, which is why maybe they should spend a little bit more time at that bottom end of zone two and then some time way above threshold to help get them better at clearing uh, lactate out. And then when they've built that foundation in order to be better at clearing lactate, you can then train them around those middle zones, around tempo, around sweet spot area in order for them to get better again at dealing with lactate. But until that point, it becomes quite hard because you basically, if you're not very good at clearing lactate, that training feels very hard to do which obviously we don't want. And the whole point with an endurance sport is consistency, consistency, consistency. So when you're producing higher amounts of lactate, you're producing more waste product in the body, more waste product in the blood, which means more soreness, more fatigue, more neuromuscular fatigue the following days. That's why we look at it like that. So hopefully that answers it. And uh, yeah, we obviously have a lot of comprehensive material going out around zone two from Talk Tuesday this week. Next week, we will be looking at this, this area. So we'll be looking at actually zone three before we look at lactate threshold, which is zone four. But we'll be looking around that sweet spot tempo area and what that sort of training does for us. So I've shared a little bit of an insight into you there, ready for next week on Talk Tuesdays. If you want to get involved with, our, uh, with us on those Talk Tuesdays and our coffee chats and our Sunday sessions, you can. We, we hold our places first for our members. Um, but then we will be opening up certain slots. We, get, we can go up to max of 100 people and we will open up certain windows where you can come along and register to come into our Zoom rooms and listen to us chat all different sorts of subjects, not just with endurance, but we're looking at networking, we're, we're doing pub quizzes, we're just having a load of fun with, with everyone. We're always open to ideas on that as well. And the Sunday sessions is more around sharing stories and sharing... Uh, pictures and videos of things that everyone has done and to help keep people motivated during this time and even if you have one that you'd like to share please get in touch with me twinnerfight.com and we can have a chat and see what uh, what time you can come on and deliver your story to us all right guys thank you very much for listening in rob jones will be back next week and we will continue to run strong hopefully you're not locked down we're finally out of it and I hope you guys get back out there and enjoy your time. Thanks for listening.